What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. The Blazers started their season tonight with a loss, 108-100 to the Denver Nuggets. It blew a streak that I guess is important to some people, but not particularly to me. The Blazers had won an NBA record 18 consecutive home openers and six consecutive season openers, if you're into that kind of thing. But they lost to the Denver Nuggets tonight. So that's what I want to talk about. We'll go deep on this game. Uh, most podcasts, throughout, most episodes throughout the season, we won't go super deep on the game that happened this night. Uh, I'll try to broaden it out a little bit because you just watched the game probably if you're just listening. And if you didn't, you can find the highlights. But for today, since we're one game in, we'll go a little bit deeper on this game and what we saw. Blazers also start a four-game road trip after this, so I want to take a little bit of time at the end of the podcast to discuss what to expect when they head out on the road for the first time. But let's just start with some observations from the game. First and foremost, let's start positive. I never start positive, guys. Here's a gift. On the bright side, I thought. On the bright side, I thought. White side. That's right. I thought Hassan Whiteside looked pretty darn good. Probably better than I would have guessed for his debut um, just because of the matchup. Nikola Jokic is one of the best centers in the league, if not the best center in the NBA. But Whiteside was really good early. He got Jokic in foul trouble almost immediately. Jokic picked up a foul about two minutes into the game on a loose ball going for a rebound. He picked up a foul, an offensive foul, clearing out with his off arm, a call that Apparently, the refs are going to call really tightly at the beginning of the season. And then another inside when you, uh, after Whiteside got a rebound. And he, Jokic got three fouls early and sat for the remainder of the half. And Whiteside was really good during his first shift. Picked up a double-double in the first half. But the Blazers were only up three at the end of the first quarter. And they were trailing at halftime when, again, Jokic hadn't played at all. This this. Not building a bigger lead, particularly in the first quarter, didn't bode well for the Blazers. You kind of knew that the Nuggets would stick around. Uh, they're one of the deepest teams in the league. Mason Plumlee, despite never wanting to shoot, even when he's right under the rim, is a reasonable facsimile for what Jokic does in terms of being a big guy who can pass. Uh, Nuggets just have a lot of players. You knew they weren't going to go away easy, but not not pushing that lead a little bit bigger was a problem. But I said I was going to, I got sidetracked. I said I was going to start positive, so I will. I thought Hassan Whiteside was really good throughout the game. He was six of seven from the floor, made all four of his free throw attempts, uh, grabbed a handful of offensive rebounds, finished, you know, 16 and 19, just a monster game. Four turnovers, three of those were moving screens. That's going to be a problem for him all season long, particularly if the referees call it the way they do. He just doesn't always come set on screens. He can be a little handsy on screens and just get called for kind of tacky turnovers, sloppy turnovers. Um, no assists for Hassan Whiteside in his quest to get 10 assists. It just didn't, he didn't quite get there. He had one early to Dame. Dame missed a wide open three. He had one in the second half to Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood missed a wide open three. Uh, let's just split the difference and say that he should have had one, could have easily had two. But beyond those things, there was a couple of playmaking moments that uh, I think kind of showed what his weaknesses on in, in those moments. Um, both of them happened the same way. The double team comes to Dame, and it wasn't even, they weren't hard double team traps, it was just the 
uh, Jokic gets slightly above sort of the level of the screen. So now there's two guys that are above the screen and, and Whiteside in kind of that no man's land in a short roll. And he, he caught it, you know, around the foul line era, area and just kind of hesitated a little bit. One of them, he committed a charge, just got in too deep. Uh, another one, he just, he was really slow on the pass, kind of bumbled it away and, and, and get, got rid of the Blazers' advantage. He's not great in those situations. He's not a quick decision maker. He's not an instinctive passer. That could be a thing that is a problem for him all year. But beyond those little things and maybe one time not hustling back on defense and one time playing pretty weak defense on on Jokic, I thought he was really good. I thought this was, if this is the Hassan Whiteside the Blazers get all year long, they're going to be really good. In general, I thought the starting group was good. It was the same starting group that we've been anticipating on this on Lockdown Blazers at least since July. Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, and Hassan Whiteside. That group is fine. That group can play together. Um, a tough night for CJ McCollum, 5 for 18, finished with 12 points. Dame started slow. He didn't score his... Uh, First point to almost eight minutes into the game. It was an emphatic, huge highlight dunk in which he dropped Mason Plumley and then crammed with his right hand. But he started a little slow offensively, and as he does, still finish with 32 points. He was really good in the third quarter when the Blazers kind of uh, seemingly got put themselves back in the driver's seat in this one. And as long as we're sticking with the positives in this first segment, I thought Kent Bazemore was a really big positive. Bazemore didn't shoot well, and that'll be a trend I talk about more in the second segment. But he was one of seven from the floor. In in his 25 minutes, he finished with four points, two rebounds, credited with five steals. But he's one for seven from the floor. I think he forced maybe seven turnovers, those five steals, plus he drew a charge, chased Jamal Murray, off a screen and Jamal Murray stepped out of bounds. I don't know if you want to credit Bazemore with it, but he his definitely his effort was all over the place. He just made a bunch of good, smart plays. Even beyond the steals, he had a couple uh, deflections that maybe didn't result in a steal, but he broke up passes. He was just all over the place. And at the end of the game, he was on the floor as the small forward from about the seven-minute mark on as next to Damon CJ. Eventually, uh, in the final three minutes, Terry Stotts pulled us on Whiteside and went to a closing group that I've kind of mentioned that I thought might be the crunch time lineup. And it was, specifically in this case, maybe because the Nuggets are small, but we had Dame, CJ, Kent Bazemore, Rodney Hood, and Zach Collins playing center. But just in general, I think Bazemore, as long as we're looking for positives, I think Hassan Whiteside was really good. I think Dame was really good late. He was really good at sort of in, in, in the middle section of the game, in the third quarter when the Blazers were, were on the run. That was when he was at his, his best. And I thought Kent Bazemore, despite having an off-shooting night, did all of the things that you want him to do. Hopefully the shots will fall, but if Bazemore plays at that level, sort of, of aggressiveness and effectiveness, the dude has, you know, five steals. There he's going to have a great season, but if he... You know, five steals a night, he'd have a record-breaking season. But um, if he just plays at that effort level and that kind of just impact with all of the little stuff that he does that we kind of saw in preseason and carried over to tonight's game, he's going to be huge for the Blazers this year. In the second segment, I want to talk about what went wrong. 
some little things I noticed, some sort of big structural things I've noticed. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code LOCKEDON at checkout. Okay, so we talked about what went right. I thought San Whiteside went right, Baysmore went right, Dame was mostly good. Now let's talk about what went wrong. To me, the Blazers lost this game in two places, two very obvious places. One, they didn't guard the three-point line particularly well at all. Denver just poured it on them, 18 of 32 from three. And I think the number of threes is probably about what the Blazers want. They want teams to shoot probably below 30, honestly. But in the low 30s is probably fairly reasonable, just the way teams are going to play this season. I think the league average is probably going to push up high, 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 high this year. If I had to guess, the league average might push above 36 attempts. I think it was in the the low 30s last year. But I think more teams are going to jack it up there, and the Rockets are going to shoot like 65 threes a night. But it wasn't, it wasn't really the attempts that was a problem. A lot of times, I think, with the Blazers, it is attempts. It's just total threes. They, you know, they just give up too many. But there was, they just give up too many clean looks. They got caught scrambling. They caught, uh, you know, they would switch off the ball. And then because it's a bad switch, then you have to help a little bit. Then the, the Nuggets would just move the ball around and generate some open threes. I didn't think transition was a really big deal just watching it. Um, it's, Shortly after the game ended, it's a couple hours after the game ended, so it's not like I poured over the game tape. But uh, just from my spot on press road tonight, I didn't think necessarily that this was a, a transition defense problem. This is more just getting caught scrambling in the half court, or uh, you know, getting just not closing out hard enough when Jokic would get the ball inside. The Nuggets are a really good offensive team. They're going to be one of the best offensive teams in the league. But you just can't give up. 56% shooting from three. And I know three-point shooting field goal, like field goal percentage from three is, is 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 like a variant that's hard to measure. There's definitely, I mean, just by virtue of the shots coming from 25 feet from the rim, there's a lot of random variant stuff. But I thought the Blazers gave up too many clean looks, too many just wide-open looks. Paul Millsap stepped into some wide-open looks. He was three of four. Jokic, all three of his makes pretty much wide open, unguarded. Whiteside didn't get far enough out on him. Jamal Murray, two of his looks wide the hell open. Jeremy Grant, again, same thing. He had two made threes. One of them was just unguarded at the top of the key. You can't just go up practice level threes. That's no good. And the other thing where the Blazers struggled, and I want to spend a little more time on this because I think there's some structural stuff here that the Blazers can address. Blazers bench got crushed. Collectively, they shot 6 of 22 from the floor. Now, I know I said uh, Ken Bazemore played well. He really did. He really did. But you take his shooting out, Blazers. the rest of the Blazers bench went 5 of 15. It's not like he really drugged them down with his terrible shooting. He shot terribly. So did everyone else. And in the second quarter, Terry Stotts did something that I think he, I thought, and I've said, if you've listened to my season previews, you know that I thought Terry Stotts was going to get back to staggering Damon CJ. So one of them was always on the court. 
Well, he didn't do that in the second quarter. He went 10 deep. And he played about four, almost five minutes with both Dame and CJ on the bench. And the Blazers basically went from a slight lead to trailing. And then found themselves trailing at halftime. And then had to, it was a small deficit, so it isn't a big deal. But they kind of, that, that group struggled for four minutes. And it kind of gave the, and they didn't give the game away by any means. The Blazers gave the game away in the last five minutes of the game. When they turned the ball over, didn't play well. And Jokic had 16 in the fourth quarter and dominated. He was the best player on the court in the fourth quarter. That's why the Nuggets won the game. But this little four-minute stretch, I think, is more indicative of a thing the Blazers can clean up structurally to be better equipped for the final 81 games of the season. Stotts rolled out a lineup of Simons, Bazemore, Hazonia, Anthony Tolliver, and Scalabissier for four minutes to open the second quarter. Dame played the whole first quarter, so Simons came in for him to open that quarter, and that group just wasn't good. Scalabissier actually showed some stuff in this game. He probably should have gotten a shout-out and things that went right, but he was better in his second shift than he was in his first shift, which is why, why I want to bring this up here. That bench group just... Uh, and Rodney Hood came in at some point, too, so he wasn't all bench group, but it was just non-Dame, non-CJ minutes. That group just, they would multiple times just kind of clear out one side of the floor and let one dribbler and one big man go set it, go set a screen and run just a two-man game on one side of the floor while three other guys spaced on the opposite side on around the perimeter and just did a lot of watching. Even if they'd run through a set initially, it would break down into something that looked like that. Mario Hazonia is just... He struggled in the half court. He just he just wasn't a good half court player tonight. I think he can be a real force in the open court, but his half court game leaves a lot to be desired. He had one move early where he got into the paint and and uh, I don't want to use the phrase euro step because he's European, but he did a euro step and got to the free throw line. The second time he tried it, the defense was ready for it. Barely got it to the rim. He tried another floater that didn't work. Anthony Tolliver basically didn't do anything in his first. He played 12 and a half minutes. He had a 12 trillion, which is when you have 12 minutes and zero other counting stats in the box score. He had a 12 trillion until the final 30 seconds of the first quarter when he got out in transition and missed an open three. That group just wasn't good. And in general, the Blazers have been touting their depth. Hell, Blazers, you know, media members and people around the team have been touting how this team is super deep. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I have been a little bit skeptical about the back half of their rotation and whether they sacrifice some of their sort of defensive juju for theoretical fits. Well, they weren't very good on defense and they're theoretically better fits tonight. Didn't fit that well. Tolliver didn't play in the second half. That was the adjustment Stotts made. He played Dame the entire third quarter, just like he played in the entire first quarter, but he got CJ back in to open the fourth and rolled with him that way. It meant that Dame ended up playing 38 minutes and CJ 36, 
that's probably more than you would like. I think Dame playing 38 minutes is just frankly way too many. you got to figure out a way to get him down to about 35 sustainably for this season. You'd like him to play, you know, 33. But I don't think the Blazers bench is quite good enough for that. But in the third quarter, or in the second half, uh, Terry Stotts did not play Anthony Tolliver. So it meant more his own yet at power forward when he came off the bench. It meant sliding Zach up to center as that first sub, as opposed to the first sub in the first half, which moved Zach Dak down to power forward and brought in Scalabus here. Zach's fine at center. That's not a big deal. I think that's the solution. If Anthony Tolliver isn't going to make shots, isn't going to attempt shots, it's hard for me to see him playing a bunch. Terry Stotts likes him. He's the first name he called off the bench in the first half. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't end up being how the subs played out, but he went to the scores table first. But if he's not going to make shots or even attempt shots, it's hard for me to see the value in him playing over even a struggling Mario Hazonia, because at least Hazonia brings an element of ball handling and, and attacking in the open floor and athleticism that Tolliver doesn't necessarily bring. Tolliver's shooting isn't a threat if it doesn't exist. I thought the bench was a real problem tonight for the Blazers. They got outscored 36-19 by the Nuggets bench. I don't want to hammer that one too hard because the Nuggets are one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest team in the league. Apologies to the Clippers. Maybe the Bucks if you're into it. So, while I think the comparing them to the Nuggets bench is unfair, I think pointing out that the bench wasn't very good. Anthony Simons just... He played twelve. He played just twelve minutes. Um, I feel like that's going to be his range early in the season: twelve to fifteen minutes, two of seven from the floor, five points. His his first bucket, he had a steal, just a highlight dunk. Another one where he his other bucket, he pump fake, got into the rim and finished clean. Threw up two threes, uh, one of which totally rushed. The other one a little bit rushed. But also, I thought he passed up a couple shots he could have taken. I thought he could have been more aggressive, particularly in his first shift. He'll get there. But I don't think he's a big minutes guy yet. The big minutes guy off the bench is going to be Bazemore. And maybe, because of the way the rest of the Blazers roster constructed, the other big minutes guy off the bench is going to be Mario Hazonia. They need someone to play power forward. They probably need him to play a little bit of backup small forward, too. I've asked Terry Stotts about playing Simons alongside Damon CJ, and he said that he, while he might get to it, he wouldn't intentionally seek it out early in the season. So your two big bench minutes guys are going to be Hazonia and Bazemore. They have to play better on offense. The rest of it will sort of sort itself out. I don't want to overreact too much to this game. I think it's fine. I think the Blazers played pretty well against one of the very good teams and ended up losing the game in the final five minutes. But I think the solution to a lot of their problems is to always have one of Damon CJ on the floor. Then once you do that structural stuff, you can figure out the other things. How to defend the three-point line better, how to coax a little more offense out of your bench, all that, all that type of stuff. But I think the structural stuff of staggering Damon CJ has to happen. All right, 
in the third segment, I want to talk a little bit about Blazers' upcoming road trip. Uh, I'm not going to give you a game-by-game preview or anything like that, but we're going to do a little look ahead, so stick with me. All right, welcome back. Still Lockdown Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Blazers played one home game. Their reward? Four games on the road. The Blazers on Friday will be at the Sacramento Kings. On Sunday, they're at the Mavericks. Monday, they're in San Antonio to play the Spurs. And on Wednesday, they close out a a quick little four-gamer at Oklahoma City. They'll be back home again November 2nd. But that's kind of a long time before we'll see them again. So what do the Blazers need to prove on the road? Well, first they're going to need to prove that they can slow down a team that wants to play super up-tempo like the Kings. Um, You know, we don't know if Luke Walton is going to run as much as the Kings under Dave Yeager did last year, but the Kings are best at full speed. That'll be a tough test for them. Then I really think this back-to-back Dallas and San Antonio is going to be really tough. The Mavericks are probably not a playoff team this year, but Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are good enough players that the Mavericks might be able to just out-talent you if you don't play very well. They've got two top-end players. Their bench is kind of a mess. Their wings are kind of a mess. But those that that is not a pushover game. Certainly not on the road in Dallas where the Blazers uh, found ways to found a way to lose a horrible one last year, revisiting a game where they gave up a 23-2 run in Dallas to lose to an even worse Mavericks team. San Antonio is going to be good. Always a tough place to play, second night of a back-to-back. It'll be interesting to see what the, how the Blazers handle that, particularly after kind of running their guards big minutes to start the season. And closing into OKC, I think the Thunder are going to end up one of the bad teams in the league. I think they're going to end up, you know, uh, closing in on 50 losses. But right now, at the beginning of the season, is when you don't want to catch them. Chris Paul's healthy. Daniel Gallinari's healthy. Steven Adams is not traded. OKC is incredibly shallow, but they're starting five, really they're starting four. with. Shea Jills Alexander, along with the three other guys I mentioned, are really good. I don't think there's, other than the Kings game, Kings didn't look good in their opener against Phoenix, I don't think there's a, either of those three are certain wins, particularly because OKC comes as a fourth on a four-gamer. Which is, and maybe this is sort of reductive reasoning, but it makes the Sacramento game crucial. Win the first one, get back on track, and then head into a really tough back-to-back with a chance to maybe steal one of those. If you go 2-2 two and two on the road and you come back 2-3 and three to Saturday's game, I don't think it's a reason to overreact. The Blazers start with this brutal, brutal schedule where 14 of their next 18 games are on the road. The 20-game mark is pretty telling in the NBA. It's when most sort of 
coaches will admit that they've teams have played enough games to that there's like a sample size large enough to make real sort of sweeping judgments or at least draw some conclusions about teams. But the way the Blazers season lines up and because they have so many new players, because of what we saw tonight where incorporating Mario Hazonia didn't look very good, incorporating Anthony Simons looks like it'll be a work in progress, figuring out the rotation might be a little bit tricky. How and when Scalabissier or Anthony Tolliver plays as that backup big man off the bench. Those types of questions. I think because the Blazers have a road-heavy schedule and all these new players, I think we can reserve a little bit of judgment. Obviously, I'm going to talk about what I liked and didn't like on this podcast a bunch, so the judgment is coming. But I don't want to write them off and say, Mario Hazonia bad because he had a bad 15 minutes tonight. And I don't want to say, Hassan Whiteside, great, because he had a good 25 minutes tonight. A really good 25 minutes tonight. I want to underst- I want to be cognizant of the fact that this schedule is really unkind early on, and as Rodney Hood told me before the game, this team is still kind of figuring out their identity and who they are and what they are. They know what they want to be, but how they get to that point where they're a decent enough defensive team and a really high-level offensive team is kind of uncertain right now. So I think this first road trip is a good test to figure out what they look like on the road. Blazers were a surprisingly effective road team last year. I think that's the key to them getting back, is being one of the best home teams in the league, yet they've already dropped one to a tough team, and being an an above-average or average-level road team. You win 20 road games. Hell, let's get greedy. You win 21 road games. You're probably in really good position. The West is going to be tough. These four games against Western Conference teams, all of which may miss the playoffs, will be tough. You're playing four non-likely, not even likely, I don't know where the Spurs are going to end up, but three out of their four, I'd say, are not going to make the playoffs. Sacramento, Dallas, and OKC are not playoff teams. and yet. I would say this is a relatively daunting road trip just because the West is that tough. We will know more soon. The season is here. I couldn't be more excited. I missed recording these late night podcasts, guys, but I'm back. I'm back, y'all. The NBA's back. We're doing it. So tell your friends about this. Tell them they can find Lockdown Blazers wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, or Spotify. Season rolls on. I'm going to roll with you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.